If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, <clears throat> find Mark chapter 6, but if not, it's going to be on the screen behind you. Uh, two weeks ago, we started the book of Mark chapter 6, as we've been working our way through Mark chapter 6, and we looked at our heart's response and how we respond to rejection and hardship. And I think this is very important because there are many things in life we cannot control. Uh, We don't control how other people respond to us. Uh, There are some things that are out of our control in the sense that we cannot control what spiritual gifts God gave each and every one of us. The Bible tells us that our life is appointed, a beginning and an end. So there are some things that are out of our control that God alone decides. But there are many things in our life that God gives us the opportunity to make a choice, to make a decision on how we are going to live, how we are going to respond, how we are going to be used for His glory. Some examples of that are when the Bible warns us not to grieve the Holy Spirit that is within us. Or another example is when the Bible tells us, by the uh, Apostle Peter writes, that a husband's prayers can be hindered by how we love our wives. It clearly says that my relationship with my wife, how I love her, how I care about her, affects my relationship with the Lord and vice versa. And so today I ask you this question in a world that has decided to blame everyone else for everything. Blaming our parents, our background, our upbringing, that this morning that your relationship with the Lord is the responsibility of one person. That's us. That's you. That's me. And how I respond to what God is doing in my life. What that means is for me as a husband, it doesn't matter the faults that my wife brings to the table, my responsibility to God and to her is dependent upon me. As a father, how I raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's not even dependent on how my wife chooses to help in that relationship or how they choose to listen. It is my choice to be the father, the husband that God has asked me to be. I cannot control all of the things that they will do, but as far as my relationship with the Lord, my calling that God has given me, just like God has given you, today the choice to respond is yours. In the book of Joshua, uh, the Bible tells us the very same thing. Uh, The children of Israel are uh, marching and they're doing and they're accomplishing and Joshua is getting ready to die. And he wants to remind them of something. That God has given them the authority and the power to accomplish what he wants for them. Now the question is, what does God want for us to accomplish? That's different for each and every one of us. There are some goals that are the same. But he tells them to be reminded in Joshua chapter 23, verse 14 of these words. Behold... This day, I am going the way of all the earth. He says, I'm going to pass away. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. 
Joshua looks at them and says, God has been faithful in everything that He promised. Everything that He told you you could do, He has given you the ability to do it. Every warning that He has given you is true as well. Because if you read the verses around this, it talks about that if you will go into the land and you'll defeat your enemies, it's yours. God has promised that it's yours. It's your land. It'll be your blessings. It'll be your provision that God provides for you. But He also says, but if you don't, if you turn back, if you do not drive out your enemies, if you intermarry with these pagan cultures, you're not going to enjoy the blessings that God has promised you. He tells them all power and all authority has been given to you to accomplish what God wants from you if you'll do it. Now I'm going to make a statement and it's not going to be very popular and I'm sorry. Many times what we blame that God does not want to work or God is not willing to work or that God is not working is us covering up the fact that there is sin in our life. That we are not willing to be who God wants us to be. And so as a result of that, when God doesn't appear to be working, we just blame it on Him. God must not have wanted that. God, God must not be working. But I disagree with that. This morning, I believe God has given you as a believer the power and authority not to accomplish whatever you want, not to walk up to people's bank and say, give me a million right now. I've asked for it. I should receive it. But that God has given us the power and authority to accomplish great and mighty things in His name. To have the marriages that God wants us to have to be the parents that God wants us to be, to be able to forgive and love and endure the situations of life. God has given us everything we need. You say, Jake, what does that have to do with Mark chapter 6? Jesus does the exact same thing. If you remember, Jesus went back to his hometown for the second time. The first time they tried to murder him, the second time they just ignored him. You're not the Son of God. You're not the Messiah. You're not a big deal. But yet Jesus went back anyway. And He was doing something in their life. He was teaching the disciples that regardless of what other people do, whether they accept Jesus, whether they reject Jesus, whether they accept the powers and miracles of God, or they don't accept the power and miracles of God, it doesn't affect my relationship with the Lord. It doesn't keep me from being who God wants me to be. It doesn't depend on your results to remind me of who I am in the Lord. And that's very important today when we look at this text, that you be reminded that God has said something about you, that God has done something in your life, that God is working in a special way. Way And even if no one else sees it, even if no one else believes it, even if no one else encourages you, what God is doing in you and through you is enough. If you'll just believe Him. Because let's be honest, most of us live our spiritual life, our physical life, and our emotional life based on what other people think of us. 
what other people say of us. I always get a kick out of it when someone says, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Those people are liars. Well, I, I just don't care. I do what I want, say what I want, think what I want. Liars. Because all of us deep down have a little bit of people pleaser in us. We just sometimes want to please the wrong people. Or people who have terrible ideas like ourselves. But all of us deep down have a desire to be accepted by someone. And ultimately that comes from the fact that we are created to be loved by God. To be accepted by Him. To be welcomed into His family. And as a child of God, if I don't know Him as a lost person, that hole is open. And if I am a child of God, but if that fellowship is broken by sin, there is still a longing there. And so this morning, as we look at this text this morning, don't get mad at me. Just let the Word of God speak to you. And so if you would, pray with me. Father, this morning as we go through this text, Lord, I pray that you would speak, that you would convict, that you would deal. Lord, this morning that you would remind us that we can accomplish great and mighty things in your name, with your power, with your authority, for your glory. Lord, help us to be humble and willing and open to do what you have asked us to do for your glory. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. We have a mission and a message to share. Look at verses 7 through 9. Starting in Mark chapter 6, verse 7 and 9. It says, And he called the twelve to himself, that's the twelve apostles, and began to send them out two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. This word for power can mean power in the sense that God has given you what is necessary to accomplish something, but also it can mean authority, the authority to accomplish something. And if you remember what we read from Joshua, he said what? The land is yours if you'll take it. God has given you what you need. He has given you the authority to accomplish it if you will just be obedient. And Jesus tells them, I have given you the authority as I am the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the ruler over everything to overcome spiritual darkness. And I have given you the power, the power as the Son of God through me to do the work that I've asked you to do. The Bible tells us now as New Testament Christians that the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And He equips us. And He gives us what we need to accomplish what He has asked of us. That's why the Bible tells us to be led by, to be willing to yield, to be humble. That if we'll draw near, if we will humble ourselves, all of these things as the Spirit of God works in us. The Bible tells us the Spirit of God seals us. The Bible tells us that we are joint heirs with Jesus, reminding us that we have been given the authority and the power to accomplish what God has asked us to. 
In this passage of Scripture, I think it is interesting because Jesus has just exposed them to rejection before he sends them out. Why didn't he send them out right after he had fed the multitudes? Or why didn't he send them out right after he had healed the sick or cast out demons? Why didn't he build them up on a spiritual high and then send them out? Because Jesus was preparing them that rejection, hardship, failure, loss does not define who we are as Christians. Just because I preach on a Sunday morning and no one responds doesn't mean I have done anything wrong in God's eyes. Could there be sin in my life? Absolutely. Could there be something going on in my heart that is dishonoring God? Absolutely. But if I have prayed and got alone with God and asked for forgiveness, if I've got alone with God and and been led by His Spirit to preach His Word, the results are not up to me. As a husband or a wife, whichever you fit into in this category this morning, You say, Jake, I am trying to be the person that God wants me to be. I'm studying the Word of God. I'm humbling myself. I'm living uh, in in a spirit of godliness. But my spouse, man, they are wicked. Man, they they are a mess. Friends, God will not give you what you need to change Him. But He will give you what you need to live in that situation as light. That's why the Bible says that many unbelieving husbands will be won to Christ because of the influence of a godly woman. The Bible doesn't give you the power to change other people, but the Bible says that you have the power and authority to be who God wants you to be. Just like Paul didn't control the storm that wrecked the boat that he was on, but God gave him what he needed to preach to those people that if we'll do this, God will spare our lives. God was with him. And so when you go through the trials and you go through the difficulties and you go through the problems and you face rejection for your faith or you face rejection for being who God wants you to be, be reminded that God has given you what you need to be who God wants you to be. That's why it's so impressive here when it says, and he called the twelve to himself. Remember who these twelve were. We know them as the apostles, these great men of the faith. We know Judas as the great betrayer. But at this time, they were just fishermen and tax collectors. And Jesus sends them back into the towns that people would have known them. That people would have remembered them. And so here comes two men, let's just say it's two fishermen that are with Jesus and they begin to say the the word of God and do the miracles of God and they look at them and they say, well, who do you think you are? You were serving me fish just recently ago. And now you're here telling me and showing me these great things of God? Or what about the tax collector who had cheated and robbed? Maybe he had been one of those uh, people who he had taken advantage of. Here he is now doing the work of God. And they look at them and say, wait a second. Weren't you just cheating me before? You see, God was preparing them. Was giving them what they needed to thrive in a situation that wasn't ideal. Listen to what John 14 says about us as the followers of God. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. 
or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He says, I am who I said I am. You should believe that. But if you don't believe what I've said about that, just look at all the miracles I'm doing. It testifies to who I am. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may glorify in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He's telling the disciples now at the end of his life that you're going to do amazing things in my name because I have given you the power and the authority to do it. And as a believer, you and I need to be reminded that these are the same men who were nobodies who all had problems, all had faults, all had struggles, but yet God used them in a mighty way. And this morning you need to be reminded of the same thing. Whatever faults you bring to the table, whatever baggage you bring to the table, whatever past that you have, with the Lord He can forgive it. He can overcome it. What he says about us is what matters, not the results that we produce. Second thing I want to show you from this text this morning is there is a message that must be responded to. Look in verses 10 and 11. Also he said to them, so he's told them what to do, what not to take. In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. He says there's going to be some homes that welcome you. And as you're doing the miracles and you're doing the work of God and you're preaching the message of God... There will be some who will respond. And there will be some who won't. And all you can do is dust a feet off. It's a sign of judgment. It is saying those people have made a choice to reject the fact that God loves them, that the power of God is working among them, and that Jesus is who He says He is, and to move on. And friends, this morning that should bring us a great reminder that friends, it matters The judgment of God matters. The choice to respond matters. I always uh, get a kick out of it when a liberal scholar will say something like, well, Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament didn't really happen. It was just a figurative speech because God doesn't care about, uh, God God doesn't want us to be inhospitable. They weren't hospitable and so God judged judged those two cities. No, Jesus says it was a real judgment. God really rained down fire from heaven because of the wickedness of those cities. And what Jesus says is it will be worse for these towns and these people who have rejected the power and work of God in their life. Why? Because they had been exposed to a great opportunity, to a great light, to a great witness. That's why the Bible tells us over and over again about the judgment of God when we who have been exposed to so much truth, when the gospel is so many places, 
when we have the wonderful privilege to worship freely, when we have the wonderful privilege to witness freely, to live out our faith with very little persecution. God has been so good to us. And what he says here is these cities are going to face the judgment of God. But don't miss this. For those that believe, they're going to avoid the judgment of God. That's what the Bible teaches us. That all of us deserve the judgment of God. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God loved us so much that He sent Jesus to be born into this world, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross in our place. The Son of God who has always existed. Jesus, the one who everything was created by Him and for Him and through Him. The King of kings and Lord of lords took on flesh to come and die for my sin and for yours. And to be buried and to overcome sin and death and the grave. And the Bible says that if we will repent and believe in Him, we will be saved. Avoiding the judgment of God. Inheriting a mansion in heaven. Inheriting a place where there is no sickness, no pain, no death. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 28. Starting with verse 28 of chapter 21. But what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go, work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed in him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. He says, you saw it but wouldn't believe. He said, they saw it and didn't believe. It didn't matter what their background was. It didn't matter if they were religious or not before. It didn't matter if they were the scum of the earth or before. It didn't matter if they were the outcast before. When they heard, they believed. And when they believed, they repented. Turned to Christ as their Lord and Savior. Third and final thing this morning, and you should get out of here early, is we see the messenger's obedience and their report. Look in verses 12 and 13 of this chapter. It goes on to say, So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And then flip down to verse 30 because we see them when they come back. They're now giving the report. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. And so they went, just like Jesus had told them to go. 
They did what God had told them to do, and God was faithful. Don't miss this. This story is not about these men going. It's not even about what they accomplished. It is about the fact that God is faithful to His promises. God is faithful to honor His Word. If He tells us to go, then we go, God will work. If God tells us to humble ourselves and He will exalt us, that's what He does. If God tells us to draw near, that He will draw near, that is what He will do. If God tells us that if we will ask for forgiveness, He will forgive. When He says, if you will believe, you will be saved. We need to always be reminded that God is faithful. Because what happens in the problems of life, in the rejections of life, in the difficulties of life, is it's easy to begin to doubt, to question. Now, I know what happens in a Baptist church. I've been a Baptist long enough to know this, that everybody's halos pop out. Well, I don't doubt. I don't question. I have perfect faith. And what I have realized is, is all men are liars. <laughs> it is, is. Even if we lie to ourselves, because friends, it might not be this situation that causes doubt. It might be a different. It might be something with your children. It might be something that happens at church. It might be something in your marriage. It might be something that the pastor does. But all of us have a foundation that is built on Christ. But let's be honest, we all can lean the wrong direction sometimes. We all can put people on a pedestal. We can all begin to put our eyes on different things. And what we need to be reminded of is that people fail, churches fail, pastors fail, spouses fail, but the Lord is faithful. His promises are unwavering. His word is unfailing. He is because He is. And when I can trust Him, when I can rely on Him, when I can lean into Him, when I can pray His word for my life, friends, I can bring back a report of victory. Why is there so little victory in the lives of a Christian? Why are there so few victories in the life of a church? I believe it is because we are not doing it His way. Now, I know I've mentioned this already in this sermon, and I've said this a lot over the last couple of years, but when people tell you that once you have two kids, it's all the same after that, because you're just playing a zone, it is not true. Three is harder than two, four is harder than three, five is harder than four, six is harder than five. I don't mean the individual kid, I mean the simple fact that you are trying to keep that many more people alive. Not even raise them right at this point, it's just keep them alive. And I'm not even talking about the spiritual aspect of it, alright? I'm just talking about the practical aspect of it, alright? Do you know how many clothes you accumulate when you have eight people living in a home, you can't own enough dressers. You know how much trash and just mess accumulate? I am telling you what, there's a reason my blood pressure is so high. And I'm going to be honest with you. 
Over the last few years, it has been challenging. We will have periods of, of, of great time in our marriage, and then we will have seasons of difficulty because of the stress and the challenges. And I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I love my wife, and, and she loves me, and, and, and we're in it for the long haul. But I'm telling you, it's been up and down. And the Lord really began to deal with me in that verse from the book of Peter that said, love your wife as the weaker vessel, not less valuable, that your prayers will not be hindered. I would come to church after something that had happened at home and I'd think, I'm going to preach. I'm going to give them what God's told me. And God would begin to deal with me. How are you going to pray and minister to these people when you're upset over the three loads of laundry in the floor? Or you're upset that the dishes haven't been done? Or this or that or whatever it is. And God began to deal with me on that verse tremendously. Your prayers will be hindered. Friends, I know I'm not the greatest pastor, and I know I'm not the greatest preacher. The one thing I can do for you is pray for you. And if I'm living in such a way that my prayers are being hindered for you, what is the point of me being here? And so God began to really deal with me as on a personal, private level. It didn't stay personal and private because I'm telling hundreds of you. But he began to deal with me. Jake, your heart has to be right. I ask you that question this morning. As you sit in this place, as you sing these songs, as you listen to this sermon. What is God wanting to do in your life so that he can use you? What is God wanting to do in your marriage so that he can use you? What is God wanting to do in your life as a couple as you raise your children? You say, well, Jake, there's nothing. We're good. You're lying to ourselves. Because listen to what 1 Timothy says, and I'll be done. This is a faithful saying of worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Jesus came to save lost and broken people. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. What Paul says is Jesus came to save sinners, and He saved me as the chief sinner so that others could know there's hope for them. God works in our life for our benefit, first of all, to save us, to bring us into a relationship with Him. That's what that verse teaches. But then, the second aspect of that salvation is for us to live in such a way that others can look at us and say, there's hope for me. He used to be a drunk, and I'm a drunk. He used to be a liar, I'm a liar. He used to hate the things of God, I used to hate the things of God. They used to have a marriage that was falling apart. We're going through a marriage that's falling apart. They used to struggle and have this issue. They went through this loss. They went through this battle. And I'm going through it. But God is faithful. That God is a promise keeper. You see, your life 
is not your own. You say, well, I can live however I want at work. No, you can't. Not and honor God. I can live however I want at home and honor God. No, God has a purpose for you. You say, Jake, will God send me to these other towns to deliver demons, possess people, and do all things? Maybe not. But God might send you into your place of employment tomorrow with lost people all around you, and God loves them. Jesus died for them, and he wants you to be a light to them. You say, well, Jake, I don't go to work. Well, then maybe God wants you to get up tomorrow and extend mercy and grace and forgiveness to your lost spouse. Maybe as you go to school this week, God wants to use you. Young people, do not think that God wants to use you when you get old. That is nonsense. He wants to use you now. Today is the day of salvation. When you go to school tomorrow, God wants to use you as a light to all of the lost individuals around you. Why? Because He came to save sinners And God uses, through the power of His Spirit, the testimony of our lives for what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus is doing for us, and what Jesus can do for them. And so this morning, whatever has happened in the past, whatever failures you've faced, whatever rejection you've encountered, do not let it harden your heart. Don't let it keep you from being who God wants you to be because Jesus just let them see him being rejected by the people who loved him the most, by the people who knew him the best. Friends, it's one thing to be rejected on a mission field in Nicaragua. That hurts, but it really hurts when you sit at Thanksgiving dinner and you try to talk to someone you love about Jesus. And they bring up, well, weren't you the same person that was doing that last week? Or living that way last year? Or talking that way last month? Satan does that and you hang your head, yeah. God says, ask for forgiveness, apologize, and move forward. Knowing that God's plans for your future are just like what he told Joshua, told the people. Just like Jesus told the disciples, I've given you the power and the authority to be who God wants you to be and trust Him in wherever He sends you. Father, we thank you so much for your word, not mine. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to take the personal responsibility to respond to you, to respond to what you're doing in our heart and life. Lord, help us not to blame anyone else, not to make excuses, but Lord, that today we would humble ourselves in the secret things, in the embarrassing things, Lord, in the hard things, that here we are, Lord, believing you, trusting you, needing you. Father, today we know there's nothing good in us, there's nothing we can add, but Lord, when your spirit is at work, Lord, when you are moving and working, God, amazing things can be accomplished. And so this morning I pray for this place, for the people here, Lord, that for anyone that is here that doesn't know you, Lord, that as your Spirit deals with them, 
that today they would repent. Today they would be saved. Lord, for those of us that know you, but yet are struggling, Lord, we're, we're having doubts, we're having fear. We've failed you in the past. Lord, that today we would believe you and what you say about us. And Father, whatever other need or situation is going on today, we pray, Lord, that you would work and move all for your glory. And Lord, we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.